Hello everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast. Kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and fix this next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast and this is actually getting towards the end of the current series so the guests are really ramping up in quality and expertise and the value that they're going to bring you and today's guest is no exception. Today we have Peter Thompson who is regarded as the UK's leading strategist on business and personal growth. And I love this. And you'll see it in the, uh, in the video shot as well. He is known as the UK's most prolific information product creator. Uh, he started his business in 1972, building three successful companies, selling the last to a public company after only five years of trading for £4.2 million, which enabled him to retire at 42. Now, he and I have something in common because I semi-retired at 42 as well. And the fact that Peter's on this podcast and he's done so much that's in this bio, I know it was a semi-retiring as well. Because since that time, Peter has concentrated on sharing his proven methods for business and personal success via online video programs, books, seminars, conference speeches and mentoring programs with over 100 audio and 100 video programs written and recorded. And he is... Nightingale Conant's leading UK author. In 1999, the American Intercontinental University in London, uh, with permission granted by the American government, awarded Peter an honorary doctorate, a doctor of letters as he's put here in brackets, for his work in communication skills and helping others to succeed in life. And today, you, Peter, help coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, small business owners, share more of their authentic messages with more people than they could ever reach on a one-to-one basis by showing them how to write and create and market their own informational products and charge the right free rates as well, which is really, really important. Welcome to today's podcast. What an introduction. What an intro. I tell you what, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this guy. Sounds like he knows some (laughs) You'd be amazed how many guests have said that. They're like, I can't believe that's me. So it's always that thing. Oh, no, I can believe that's me. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. And I have to share one thing. And I've only got one left, and you can't see it up here on the wall. But I was a big, massive uh, Nightingale Conant fan of the the pictures you used to get up on the wall, the inspirational things. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to, my office was full of them. I had them everywhere. And, you know, it did become a slight obsession. So. Yeah, and some of the content they put out was absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, that that definitely takes me takes me back. And I said in your bio, retired at the age of forty two. Now I sold my construction company, uh, and I was the same age. I always wanted to become a coach when I was fifty, and the banking crisis helped a little bit with that because it it really helped me focus on selling a couple of businesses at the time. And I I did the same at forty two. And I take it it has been more of a semi-retirement because you're still very active at the moment, aren't you? You're still keeping yourself very, very busy. 
Massively active, yes. It's uh, we don't use the word busy actually. Uh, my one of my many sons, I've got four sons, he changed the word to productive, uh, because okay. busy sounded like it was you know, it wasn't something you wanted to be doing, whereas productive sounded like it was something you did want to be doing. So sometimes uh -huh. we just have a bit of a laugh and say, Oh, yeah, I've been very productive today. Um, and somebody once, somebody else who knows things said to me once, Well, you can't be busy, you can only think busy. Because you're busy in your mind, because you're doing one thing and you think of something else, whereas you're not really busy if you're yeah, only concentrating yeah. on one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, yes, if if busy is thinking and productivity is the implementation and the action of the busyness of the mind, isn't it? So, Absolutely. how much of that busyness in your head have you put into implementation uh, and productivity? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well, there yeah. you go. We, we've we've solved the whole world's episodes. We could just finish it right there, couldn't we? <laughs> nice to see you, Simon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you too. So uh, I always start these podcasts by asking what you're drinking today. And I know I checked in with you before what you're drinking and you're a coffee drinker and you've got your coffee there. So tell us a little bit about the coffee you're drinking and how you take that coffee. Yes, I will do. And I'm sure that most coffee aficionados are going to go, What? Surely not, Peter. But anyway, I'll tell you one I, I like, and it's Azira, Nescafe Azira. And I find it really smooth. I'm not into strong coffee particularly. I take it with lactose-free milk because I happen to enjoy that. Yeah. And, and this is what really brings it together, granulated brown sugar. Yeah, so yeah. brown sugar in coffee, they are a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> um, and so I will drink three of these a day. Um, I'll stop drinking them by well about two thirty in the afternoon. I won't have any more coffee because I'm not I'm on the way to affects my sleep pattern. Sometimes if I yeah. have it later, so I don't do that. And so that's what I like. And I have a big, and I'll use the brand. I actually have a big Starbucks mug. Oh, yeah, actually, so like, man after my I, own heart. Yeah, I actually like the mug. I think it's fantastic. And I've got one of their plastic ones as well with the lid on, yeah. because I did once, unfortunately, just happen to knock the mug. And it went all over my keyboard. Uh, and of course, as you know, these remote keyboards cost about another 100 quid to replace, but but whatever. Um, it was the frustration of doing it. So sometimes in my, that's why I have a separate table for coffee as well, yeah, below yeah. the level of my normal working table, so that it's not. Good idea. My stuff is not at risk. Yeah, good idea. And it's interesting, we went to Starbucks twice this weekend. We, we met a family member uh, in Newark, the town where I live. And yeah. it's a beautiful Starbucks. It's in a very historic building right on the marketplace. And I've talked about it many, many times. But they've got two or three new members of staff. Um, my wife is very predictable. She always has a short, so a really small, single shot mocha with soya milk and a vegan whip. Now, there's nothing... I mean, she is vegetarian, but she doesn't have... She's not sort of lactose intolerant or anything like that. She just likes the taste of it. Uh, yeah. And... When this woman went to the end of the counter and she plonked this massive, like you say, I think, is that a grande one that you've got yeah. there? She yeah. plonked this grande and she said, you know, single shot mocha for Simon. And I was like, no, it's supposed to be short, <laughs> right? No, it's, it, this is it. This is your mocha. And I said, why would you put a single shot in such a big mug? You know, in know. such a big cup. And she said, well, do you want me to redo it? And literally, she was about to pull the whole thing down the sink. And I said, no, no, that's such a waste. I said, look, we'll drink it. She'll drink it. She'll just leave some of it. I said, and I'll probably end up finishing it off. Uh, and I've been a couple of times, and they 
they get the sizes mixed up sometimes. And there's so much noise going off at these places as well, isn't there? So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but brown sugar. Now, right. Ooh, that, brown sugar. That, that, that takes me back when you used to get white cubes and brown cubes, demerara sugar. Um, and very much, if, if you were a coffee drinker, you only had brown sugar. You never put white sugar uh, in, in coffee. And nobody's ever mentioned that before on this podcast. Why do you say it's a marriage in heaven then, this brown sugar and your, your Nescafe coffee? Right. Well, I, I think the taste of brown sugar, and some people might tell me that all it is is coloured, but I think the taste of brown sugar is just so wonderful. It's got that sort of toffee, almost toffee flavour to it. And I even have uh, brown sugar in the tea I have. So I drink red bush uh-huh. tea, right? I will have other tea, but I prefer red bush tea. It's naturally decaffeinated. I like the flavour. But I have a half a spoon of brown sugar in it, um, sometimes, sometimes without. But I just love that taste of brown sugar, brown sugar or anything. I don't, I don't have white sugar ever. If I go somewhere and they haven't got brown sugar, I won't even have a coffee. Yeah. Uh, yes, coffee, yeah, yeah. White, coffee with white sugar is revolting because white sugar itself is revolting. Yeah. And, and if anybody listening to this knows why it's brown sugar, is it just coloured or is this? I'm sure there is a different because um, I don't know it is brown sugar. My uh, my auntie was very passionate about brown sugar, but she called it demerara sugar. And I think she's with you, that there was something different. There was something different about the taste to it. Yeah, this is demerara sugar. Absolutely yeah, right. Ah, there you go. But yeah. So I think there yeah. is a different taste there. Yeah. I'm going to have to try it. I'm going to have to try it now. That's it. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out after. I'll be going in and asking my friend ChatGPT. Yes. yes. Or, or Chad, as I call him. I don't call him ChatGPT. I'll call him Chad. Because I turned him into a person, so he and I have conversations together. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. <laughs> so, and and that I suppose, yeah, the involvement of content and chat GPT um, leads me on to the next question. Yeah, you know, what's been the latest or most significant thing that you've been working on in your own business and and your own sector that you work with? And it's, well, I think that AI is one of the big things that has changed things dramatically. And I absolutely love AI. I think it's fantastic. And I think there's so many opportunities that are going to be going on with this. And so I use ChatGPT, or Chad, as I mm. call it that, on the basis of I've never had a fear of the blank page, Simon. Uh, I was talking to one of my sons about this only yesterday, actually, we were talking about it. And so I know that when I've created content, and I seriously am a prolific content creator over the last 30 years. I mean, for example, all these books you can see behind me in audio programs, these are all mine, right? Wow. These things, but it actually isn't all of mine, just these are all mine, if that makes sense. There is a place for all of my things. So I've never had a problem with a blank page because I actually have a system to get around that, which I could share with you if you wanted me to. But I do find that it's very useful to find a starting place or a formula or a a template for putting ideas into whatever it is that we're wanting to create on the day, whether it's a marketing plan, whether it's a a campaign uh, to write an email in some description, whether we want to put content out into the marketplace, whether we want to create a free report, or we want to start thinking about creating a book, for example, now, one of the things I do do is I teach people how to write a book for their business. So mm. not fiction or business books. And I have a process that makes that work so well. And for most people, they can get this thing about getting stuck and they can use the templates and the ideas I give them. But taking that and putting it into, for example, Chad or whichever model, Claude, of course, is one of the other well-known ones. 
Yeah, Bard is a new one as well, isn't it? Google have got Bard now, haven't they? As well, Bard, there's Bing, yeah. there's Chad, there's uh, there's Claude, there's all the all the rest of them. They're fantastic. I mean, these I'm seeing at the moment. I think this is going to be a big thing that's happening. Is bots, and I think most people will have a bot on their website. Yeah. But I also think that people will start to realize that bots are very useful in your own business just for yourself. So, for example, uh, just for fun, for some of my clients, I took one of my books and I created a bot for the book okay. so that people can then go and interrogate me via the bot because my book content is in there. Now, because of the way the bots are created these days, you can make it your content and what's out there in the world, or yeah. you can suppress it to just only your content. So if in a business, and in any business it happens, we've got a lot of information, uh, a lot of proprietary stuff that we know, a lot of capital and collateral that we've got. You can load that into your own bot to use in your own business so that people can interrogate that as if it's a person and find out stuff that you need to know on a daily basis. I mean, it's just, who knows where this is going, but it's fascinating. Yeah, and it's interesting. I signed up for a bot some years ago now, and I was so disillusioned with it, Peter, because I had to think of all the questions that people might ask me, because then I had to put the answers in that the bot could answer. Because if you didn't do that well, and I'm sure we've all experienced it, you ask mm. a bot a question, and it gives you either a stupid answer or it says, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. Sure. So, yeah. so it's interesting to say about loading it up and how AI is helping with that. And I agree with you. you know, I'm seeing more sophisticated bots and I'm keeping my eye on it. I don't think I'm quite ready yet to move to the bots, but, yeah. um, but I'm certainly getting very, very close to it again. But you know, I gave it up because it was, it was so much heavy lifting. It was so much work for me mm. to do for very little gain for the people who were visiting my website, et cetera. So, yeah. I think it is in the, absolute, is in the tuning of them, uh, and that can be time. But, of course, these days with AI, you can get the AI to tune it as well. So there's, you know, Correct. there's more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned blank page. Most of the people that are listening to this episode will just put their hands up and say, that's, that's me. Yeah. And... People often say to, to me when I'm critiquing something or when I'm giving commentary on something, you know, wow, how do you see all these things, and, you know, these insights? And it's much easier for me to see something that somebody has already created and then critique it. Because I suffer exactly the same as you've just mentioned there with the blank page syndrome. You know, if somebody asked me to get, put a blank page and get started, that would it. I, I would be frozen. If somebody gives me a little bit of a teaser to start with or I've got a little bit of something in my head then, then I can go with it and you mentioned a little bit of a uh, a hack perhaps for those people who are that so as a person who suffers blank page syndrome please share the hack Peter by all means if you give me a context in the sense of what is the blank page when it is not a blank page when it's finished is it an email is it a, a piece of content is oh. what is it for, for me, it's a blog article. If I don't, if I read something, I've got to either base it on what I've read. Yeah, if I okay. just thought, okay, I need to share something, I wouldn't do it. So, yeah, a blog article for my for my context. Okay, I can give you one then that works for blog blog article, but it would also work for creating, let's say, an email. It would work for creating a landing page. 
work for creating uh, anything where you wanted to promote a product or service that you've got. And it's okay. only eight words, and it's this simple. I'm going to say it fast because you'll get it immediately. Why you? Why me? Why this? Why now? Okay. All right. So you start off by answering the question, why you, in the sense of the person who's going to be reading it, remembering they're reading it or watching it as an individual. People aren't gathering as a group to read content these days. No. They're reading on screen, they're reading on that screen, they're, they're reading it on their own, on their reader or in a book, whatever it might be. But that's why, number one, we've got to make sure that we're removing all the plural language. If we know we're speaking to a crowd, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on a webinar or a seminar, we can obviously use expressions like some of you or all of you. But if we're writing content where somebody's going to take a book and read it, you can't write in there some of you because it doesn't make any sense. So immediately you've told the person, you've broken the connection because they realize that you're not talking to them. So the first thing we've got to be absolute, have clarity on is who are we talking to? And then we need to label them so that they know when they get the start of the communication, whether it's a headline, whether it's a pre-head, whatever it might be, that rather than thinking, is it for me? They're thinking, oh, it is for me. And that's the feeling that we want in somebody. Because if somebody starts to read what you write or listen to what you record or watch what you're saying, immediately you want them to know it's for them. So this is why a hook works well on a podcast, on a YouTube video, on a headline, on whatever it happens to be. This is why headlines work well. On my marketing emails, I have headlines. Because for me, the subject line is the teaser copy on the outside of the envelope. That's not the headline, it's just the teaser copy. Then when somebody opens the envelope and sees the letter, i.e. the email, then I want a pre-head. I probably want a grabber in the sense of a picture. And I certainly want a headline. Because all of that is saying, why it's you but nothing to do with me yet it's all about you is this for you so first question to answer for ourselves is why you what am i going to write in to say to people this is for them sure. then the second bit is why me so before i give you anything to talk about think about is you've got to know why you should listen to me hmm. because there's an old expression that says you have to be heard to be believed and it's wrong you have to be believed to be heard that's the way around it should be yeah People don't hear you unless they believe you. So you've got to be saying something about why you are the person to listen to on this. You know, why is it that doctors wear white coats when blood is red? You'd have thought they would have worn red coats. No, no, no. They wear white coats because it's the uniform. They wear the stethoscope around the neck even if they don't use it because it's the uniform because it's saying, I am the expert. And so what we're looking for in that communication is to establish a relationship rather than a transaction. So we're not trying to be transactional here, come and buy my stuff and it's this price. That's a transaction. No, we're having a communication between somebody who wants advice, knowledge, help in some way. And who do you go to for that? You go to an expert. So therefore, you've got to be stating your expertise. Uh, isn't that a beautiful way that that's what that word comes from? It's like being an author, which I'm keen on everybody who ever helps anybody else being an author. Why? Because the first six letters of, of, of authority is author. Yeah. So the easiest way to be an authority is to be a, an author. So why you, why me? And I could, I, we could talk for another week just about those two bits, yeah, but yeah. then why, why, what is this I want to share with you? So why is it this? Uh, why should you be interested in this? What are the benefits for you in this? Not what are the features, not what are the systems, what are the outcomes? 
Why, why, is this, why is this the right thing for you? And if I'm asking you to do it now, and I may or may not be, because it may be something for a longer term connection, but if I'm asking you to do it now, why should you do it now? What is the urgency in this? What's the scarcity in this? That's true and real and authentic. Yeah. yeah. Authentic so, is really important. Isn't it just so there's a formula. Why you? Why me? Why this? Why now? And in those eight words, you can <laughs> sit down and do almost anything. I mean, I've, I've got more if you want more of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, and I think you've uh, you've hit on two things there, Peter, uh, that I just want to share because actually I was picked up the other day on on a podcast where somebody said you keep saying listeners, and it's interesting yeah. you said there because most people that do listen to a podcast they're not sat around a table with three or four friends. Right. They usually got earpods in. And they're listening to it on their own, aren't they? So perhaps, listener, I need to be talking to you a little bit more. So uh, perhaps it's a little bit late in this series to start doing that, but we'll give it a go. But I think I think the other thing as well is that many of the guests that I've had have always raised the issue of why do I ask them to talk about their business first? Why do I ask them to work to share what they've been working on? And for me, it comes back to what you've just said there. Peter, because if I want a listener to see the authority in a guest, for me, one of the things I live by is the Sherpa effect. I've got to have gone up the mountain myself and come back down to show other people how to do it. So if I get you, the guest, to be authentic and to share something that you've done, something that's been a success for you uh, or something you've overcome, just like a movie, we always like to see the hero overcome something, don't we? Yeah. yeah so if i can do that then the guest and i think that has been the success of this podcast that the listeners have really connected with the guests because they have seen them as real people who have achieved real things uh and by sharing those stories uh, that's what makes it connect really well so i think yeah you're giving us a great insight into that so uh, yeah so what what you need to do listener is Go back, I think it's about 15 minutes into the podcast recording, and just go through those words again and write them down. Absolutely critical. So all of this, uh, Peter, and obviously being an author, writing uh, prolific content, what difference has that made to you and to your business? You know, I said about the honorary doctorate, etc. You know, if you could share just a few things that you're pleased with that this has actually given you that's had an impact or made a difference to you. Yeah, certainly a great question. Firstly, I think it is positioning in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. When we look at people becoming an author, and I'm seriously, you know, Simon, anybody who's a coach, consultant, speaker, trainer, accountant, whatever it might be, I urge everybody to write a business book. Now, the book can be a standard book, you know, a couple of hundred pages, or these days it can be a very thin book. So, for example, one of my books is that thin. Look, look how thin okay. that is. Yeah, yeah. He's watching this. I'm now going to describe it. It's it's so thin, it almost disappears. And right, when I turn it sideways, you almost can't see it. It's actually, this book is 67 pages. Because nobody ever said, hang on, it isn't a book because it's 50 pages, but it is a book because it's 500 pages. Correct. Right? And when you use, firstly, for marketing a book, people don't throw books away. They download free reports off the internet, yeah? And they put them on their front screen of their computer or their Mac, and then they leave them there for a while, and occasionally they look at them, but mostly they, when they have a clear out of the desktop, then they clear it away. 
Same with stuff that they download that are films and audios and whatever. Yeah. But a book's different because it turns up in the post and it's in a jiffy bag and it looks great and it's fantastic, right? So firstly, for lead generation, having a book with your name on, giving you that author authority, right, is just incredible. Just imagine if you've got a book and you walk into a meeting, as when I used to go out and do meet clients and things like yeah. that, a lot more than I do these days. I walk into a meeting with a client, first time I've met them, we shake hands, we talk about coffee, we talk about the state of the nation and how bad the roads were, because of all that usual stuff we talk about. And then when you get into the meeting, I say to you as my potential client, Simon, I say, Simon, I brought you a copy of my latest book and I hand it over to you, right? Yeah. And you go, what do you go there? What do you do? What's the difference in that relationship now? I mean, it's a, it just goes from mundane to amazing and then especially because i'm a particularly confident person i say in a very gentle tone simon would you like me to sign it right and that just are you laughing exactly because yeah, that just changes the whole dynamic right yeah. I, i'm, I'm laughing i'm laughing peter because um I, i've i've got a book and i've done exactly the same thing that you've just said there but i didn't ask uh, but the person did. They said, "Would you sign it for me?" And I, oh, and there's a there's a there's a there's a strange feeling you get when somebody asks you to sign the book that you've written. And when it's the first ever time anybody's asked you to do that, it was I remember like, mine. It was like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, and suddenly you think, I'm I'm not famous. I'm not at a book signing. Yeah, why are you asking me to sign it? But yeah, it it means so much. Uh, yeah, I've asked people for years to sign their books, you know, Richard Branson and all sorts of other people. So, yeah. It's true. Yeah. I remember being at the Motorcycle Museum. I was, I used to do a lot of uh, conference speaking and I was at this event and about 500 people in the room and I was keynoting the event and I had a great time and I'd got some of my books at the back of the room, right? Mm. And just, I think it might've been the first time I ever did that. And somebody came up after the event, said, oh, Peter, like that, thank you very much indeed. and bought a copy of the book and then turned around to me and said, would you sign it for me? And nobody, like you said, ever asked me before. No. I tell you what, Simon, my hand was shaking. So <laughs> I can't write. I mean, I talk about, I mean, it's different today because I've signed a lot of books since, but that, I remember that first time vividly. I've gone back there in my mind. I can picture it. So, but I think people, yeah. if they have a book, and this is what Tatman for me, as soon as you have a book, you're treated differently. I find as well for people, that they are more confident in quoting the right price. Um, I'm great focus in my life is this. I believe that so many people in what I call the helping industry, people, coaches yeah. and so on, trainers, business people who help other people, accountants, right, help people, um, need to be rightfully rewarded for the value they deliver and the second part for the cascading impact they have in the world. Because I don't think most people take into consideration the cascading impact they have. They go and help a client, let's say, make some more money, make it an easy example. But that changes that business, but it changes that person's life and their family's life, and it changes the people in the business's life, and it cascades into the economy and the world. We, have, you know, when we do stuff with people that works, the difference that we make, it's like not dropping a pebble in the pond. It's like dropping a boulder in the pond, the rippling effect. What I call the cascading impact is immense. And why shouldn't you therefore be rightfully, regularly, royally rewarded for that impact that you have?
Yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I think it's one that we all struggle with in the service sector. And, you know, when I think what I used to charge when I first became a coach, I went into partnership with my coach as he was then. And his model was that he would charge clients £350 a month for seeing them four times a month. And I was like, that, that's just un, you know, unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, I'd got a construction business where I was earning, you know, quarter of a million pounds a year. And suddenly I was going to become a coach charging £350 for four sessions a four month. Um, but I think what you said there is really important about the cascading impact. But many of us, I feel, don't value that in ourselves because we don't see that impact. Because sometimes those ripples, even though they're boulder-like, they have a massive impact, but we actually don't see them all the time. So because we don't see them, we don't pin the value on us, do we? And I see that people. in so many people. Yeah, I, and I think what happens is that people can often, I've made this mistake, Simon, you know, let's be right here, yeah. you know. I've made these mistakes, which is why I'm very keen on that other people don't make them, is that if we think about what we're charging for, we're not charging for time. And yet sometimes that's what we think of it as. Yes. I don't mind calling it a time charge, knowing it isn't. I don't mind yeah. that people want to think of it in that way. But we're really charging for value. I'll give you an example on this, if I may. Let's say we help somebody make, um, we share an idea with them. It costs us an hour to share it. I mean, you probably share it in five minutes, but it, it takes an hour to do it. And that person goes away and they make £10,000 implementing your idea because you've told them exactly what to do. Yeah. Would it be fair if we charge them, say, 10%, um, £1,000, and they'd made £10,000? Sounds fair to me. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Um, but what about that same idea if they took it away and they made a million pounds? Would it be fair if they paid us 100000 Yeah, it's the same equation. There's no difference. There's yeah. absolutely no difference. So that's having what I call price pliability, and it's understanding the actual value that we deliver rather than the time we spend. Um, an expression for, I always say is this, is it's not the hours you put in, it's what you put in the hours. That's what you're getting paid for. Yeah. And yeah. clients want to think of that as an hourly charge, great, but that's not what it's about at all. So it's making certainly we're positioning ourselves in order to attract the type of clients who want that. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I, if I can share this with you, I was taught by a guy, genius of a guy, Roy H. Williams, the Wizard of Ads in America. And I interviewed him in, just like this, actually. Yeah. Um, and he taught this amazing thing. And I've used it in my life, taught it to all of my clients. And he was teaching me the difference between the relational client and the transactional customer. And he said to me this, and he said, the transactional customer is their own expert and they buy on price. The relational client, as opposed to the transactional customer, the relational client is looking for an expert. And price is a factor, not the factor. Correct. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's like if you went in to see a surgeon because you've got a problem with your toe, the surgeon wouldn't say, well, look, I tell you what, if we cut the second one off as well, I'll give you a discount on it. I mean, it just wouldn't <laughs> happen, right? Um, and yet, People think of it that way, but no, most clients, I believe, I believe this fervently, are not price sensitive. A few people are, but not many. Yeah. I believe most people are value sensitive. And therefore, yeah. if we talk about value and we talk about being rewarded for value, not getting paid for time, it yeah. changes the whole dynamic of the equation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm completely with you on that, Peter, as well. And this is 
going to be quite disruptive for many people listening to this because I, I think you're right. You know, I have a saying, people buy uh, on emotion, then they justify it with logic. And if people sure. are price sensitive, then that's because you've not done a good enough job of explaining the value that you can deliver and you can give them. That's why they become price sensitive. That's why it becomes all about the price. It's not because it was all about the price. It's because it became about the price because you didn't show the value that you can bring. So I couldn't yeah. agree more. In fact, if I could just add into there, because I'm just mm. so in what you're saying there, is this, this is my take on the communication process, is that firstly, uh, when it comes to being a consultant, coach, whatever, yeah. somebody who helps people, is we don't go around selling stuff. We, we learn how to sell because it's essential. We need to understand how the persuasion process works. Second thing is we stop selling, right? Third thing is we allow people to buy. And that thing, what I've said there in just a few seconds, learn how to sell, stop selling, and allow people to buy. Once we get it as a sort of a visceral level, everything changes. Business changes completely. We become completely and utterly relaxed, right? Because this is the way I believe that persuasion process works is the selling takes place in the gathering stage as people sell themselves in their answers to our well-crafted questions. Mm. So the selling takes place in the gathering stage, not the presenting, in the gathering stage as people sell themselves in their answers to our well-crafted questions. So it's exactly what you were saying there, Simon. It's because of what we didn't say. It's what we didn't gather, it's what we didn't find out, so that that person went, oh, yeah, I can see the value in that. Yeah. And if you don't do that bit and you jump into presenting before you've gathered, then that's that's not selling. That's just that's just conning people. I mean, it's just crazy, right? Yeah. You know, you've got to, it's fine. what is it that somebody wants to buy? And is it what we've got satisfied the outcome that they're looking for? And if it doesn't, obviously, we wouldn't sell it. And if it does... We've got to find out by gathering what's that value to them so that it positions our value for being paid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, you mentioned the word paid. Looking over your shoulder there, you have a new book. Tell us a little I bit do. about the book and where the listeners can go to get their hands on it or anywhere else you want the listeners to go to find out more about you, Peter. Well, thank you for that, Simon. Yes, this is my, my new book, Paid, and it says, reveals the 10 secrets for being richly rewarded for the value you deliver. And if there was space, I would have said, and for the cascading impact you make in the mm -hmm. world. Um, so this is my new book. And in here are so many strategies for being appropriately rewarded for the value that you absolutely deliver. The secrets that I've learned over. I've actually been in business 51 years now. Um, so over those 51 years at the top end, I've learned how to do this. But what I've done not only with paid and explaining there how you actually get paid appropriately, but I've added a load of things to it. So, for example, one of the things I've added as a bonus is a book on how to write a book. Okay. So this is my yep. book on how to write a book for your business in just 10 weeks or even less. Right. Great. So this is a complete formula for writing your business book laid out step by step, nice and color inside. So this is a physical book, but this is yeah. a PDF. Yeah. And on top of that, because I love templates to make it easy for people to use the ideas, I've created a template pack. And that also goes as a bonus with the book. Right. And then uh, one more bonus with the book, which is this, which is, you'll know these, the four golden questions of business growth, how do we get more customers, average order value, average order frequency, etc. Yeah. Right. Basically four questions. Over the years, I've collected 355 answers 
right? And those okay. 355 answers are in this in report. Book. So, yeah, so these are all <laughs> added as extra bonuses. And the final bonus on top of that is a, a webinar that I do behind it, free webinar called Paid Explained. So when somebody gets paid, and this is, by the way, is £19.99. So we're not talking breaking the bank stuff here. This is £19.99, yeah. a bit of P&P. And people can get this and they get all of those extra bonuses and an hour's webinar they can turn up to where I go deeper into some of the concepts of paid and they get to ask questions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it is and where you get it. I can actually use my, uh, my deck for this, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, please. On this, if I get in the right place. How about this? You'll like this. This is Ecamm, isn't it? How about that? Yes, yes. So nice this, this, yeah, well, this is where it is. So it's thepaidbook.co.uk forward slash yes. And because we do get a bit of traffic to it, it tends to be a bit slow loading at the moment, but it does work. So just good. be patient. Good. Well, that's a good reason for it to be slow. Lots of traffic. Yes. So thepaidbook.co.uk forward slash yes. And you've just made my life so much easier, Peter, because I always have to write things down and then remember what I've got to say back. And there it is going across the front of the screen right in front of me. Final question then, Peter. Uh, if And this is, you've given us so much value already, uh, as many of our guests do to this point. But if you could leave the, the listener with one thing that this person can do in the week ahead that could have an impact on them and the people around them, what would that tip be that you'd like to share with them today? Lovely, lovely question. Thank you. Yes, I've got one straight away. And it would be this is I urge you to do this. Whatever you do in your business, do this. Create a deluxe version of your offering. I've been creating deluxe okay. versions of what I do for 51 years. Every business I've had over that period, I've always had a deluxe version. Why? Because about 5 to 10% of your audience, your potential clients, will want a top service from you and if we don't have one to offer we are leaving a fortune on the table and missing the opportunities to help our clients to the degree they wish to be helped by us yeah and, and i think to everyone listening to this that is so important because i meet so many people who are chasing the opposite end and they're always looking for the tripwire they're always looking for the low cost product uh, yeah. to sell and they ignore the, the deluxe version. I love that, the deluxe version. There you go. That's the takeaway from today, certainly. Um, when you're having your next coffee, Peter, with your Demerara sugar, and yes. you're, you're having it in a dream location with one of your business heroes, and you know, I was talking to you before the podcast started about getting my business hero authors on, on this podcast. Yes, Where would that location be, and who would your business hero be? Right. Well, unfortunately, it would have to be in heaven um, mm -hmm. because he's died. Okay. Um, and it would be Earl Nightingale, who was the founder with Lloyd Conant of the Nightingale Conant Corporation, who by everything, I never got to meet him. I, I've met, Lloyd, uh, I've met uh, Vic Conant, who is Lloyd's son, who now runs the business. And I've done a lot of work and I've been over there a few times in Chicago. But Earl Nightingale was the first audio program I ever listened to called Lead the Field. And he changed my life. Uh, and people say that a lot. And I, I 
can't emphasize how much he changed my life. You know, my business yeah. took off and I managed to sell it. This was 1985. And if I could meet and sit down with, with uh, him, with Earl Nightingale, and ask him the questions of all the stuff that he learned over his life, that would just be a wonderful occasion. I've had the opportunity to sit with 172 of, of uh, people I wanted to meet because I've done exactly what you've been, Simon, yeah, yeah. and I've interviewed. Um, either on the phone or like this and you know on zoom calls and etc uh, but he would be the number one but unfortunately it would have to be not on this planet yeah and that's interesting because i i'm sure i've got in in the very early days in the in the 80s a a program from them that actually has his name on it yeah and it's in it's in a case just like that yeah, yeah. there it is and the reason I, there he is on the back right earl nightingale yeah, yeah i remember that yeah I first approached Nightingale Cohen and I created a program and took it to them with the marketing. They said, would you, we like it? Would you start off by revoicing lead the field for us for the UK market? So there's the version with me on the back. Oh, look, wow. In a suit with a bit more hair, right? That's yeah. me there many years ago. And so I actually wow. revoiced lead the field. So that's why my fascination wow. is. Oh, wow. Well, what a claim to fame. You've given us some amazing value. Thank you so much for being such an incredible guest. I did tell everyone listening that that was going to be the case and you've not disappointed. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. It's been my absolute pleasure. And you that are listening now, you just have to do two things. Subscribe so you get to know when the next episode is coming up and leave us a review. Tell us what you have done with the content that you've heard Peter and I talk through. Tell us what you've achieved, tell us the impact it's made and give us some feedback that we've had uh, an impact on you and your circle uh, that are around you. That's the best way that you can reward the time that we've given you is to give us that feedback. And as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.